I have a confession to make. Growing up all my life, I've been really, really snide about people who love superhero comics, movies. I haven't understand, haven't understood the culture's fascination with it at all. Um, but now that I'm older, having experienced many things in my life that will never be justified or made right, um, I'm beginning to understand it. I have an 11 year old daughter and I'm starting to worry about her and I know that she's nearing an age where she's going to start um, as she's walking out with her friends, walking in the streets, her coaches, guys hanging out of cars, they're going to look at her in this lewd way and they're going to say really horrible things to her and about the way she looks and about her body and it's going to make her feel ashamed and her feel bad, and there's nothing that I can do, not one thing that I can do to stop it or protect her. And I'm so angry. And I'm saying I'm angry right now and I'm feeling anger and I'm doing it with a calm voice and with a smile on my face because our culture teaches us that women aren't allowed to be angry. And this is how we have to handle it, by stuffing it down and being pleasant. And I'm really good at that. So about a year ago, I watched this show called Jessica Jones, and it was a Marvel show. And it's one of the best things I've ever seen because this woman had some super strength, like some superpowers, but it wasn't important at all to the narrative. What I found beautiful was that some horrible things had happened to her and to her sister and she was so angry and she never hid her anger or her hurt ever. She was angry all the time and she acted angry. And she had a lot of negative coping mechanisms and she slowly started to get things right over the course of the show, but never perfect. And it was so freeing to watch her be angry and it made, me, um, it made me really appreciate what superhero movies and shows and stories could do and how healing they could be. So I'd just like to apologize to anyone out there that I was snarky or snide to. Um, anytime I said something mean about superhero shows, I'll never do that again. Um, Jessica Jones showed me that um, superhero shows are really positive and beautiful. Um, anyway, that's what we're talking about today. Why we still love and need superheroes. Charles Martin. That's me! Charles Martin 
Agnes here with me, Kristen Grace. We're at the Paseo Plunge, and today we're talking about why we still need and love superhero stories. Charles, talk to me about that. You're the expert. Well, I'm a newbie at this. And just to explain the volume of sound you might be hearing, we're <laughs> on the balcony because there's construction going on. Out just outside our bookshop, so we decided to uh, retreat up here. So never mind the rattly trucks and shouting and already drunken girls and yeah. They're having a great time. They're having a great time. That's so, great. Okay, so superheroes, yeah. Um, you in, in the opening that you did, that you really did have it. Be Vigilantes feel good. Like yeah. it feels good that there is somebody that can right wrong, that maybe we might even be put in a position where we can be that vigilante. That's just a part of our nature as yeah. a species. Um, and, and the superhero, the all-powerful superhero, which is basically just a next step, kind of a, um, a uh, non-deitized god. Um, that is the person who can square the ledger of a life that's very unfair. Right. I've been I've been following superheroes most of my life and I don't I'm not reading comics at the same rate as some of my friends. Um, I like the comics that I read when I was growing up are more joke comics like Calvin and Hobbes, but um, I did you know, love Superman and Batman and all that kind of thing. And so I, I felt indebted to superheroes for giving me a part of my cultural vocabulary of relating to the world, but also as a, a valuable escape when it feels like there is so little we can do from our, you know, from our perches on this planet. Right, right. And especially, like, I, I feel sometimes as an adult, like, you've got to balance out the escapism with what you're actually trying to practically do to make the world a better place, maybe. Mm -hmm. But, like, there's some points, like, as a, a young person you really don't have control over very much at all. Oh, not at all. And so, yeah, I mean, you have to go where people tell you to, do what people do. So it is nice to have something mm -hmm. that you can escape in and helps you dream a mm -hmm. little bit of a better, I don't know, yeah. Yeah, well, and it's also, the superhero dream is a way to enforce power onto the world. It's, it's the same reason that, um, that we like guns. And that we like cars and that we like all of these things because these are tools that give us um, stronger agency and a sense of influence mm -hmm. on the world around us. And if you're somebody who can fly, who can pick up buildings, then you, that is, you know, that's a tremendous amount of influence that mm -hmm. you can have on this world. And, ha you know, who among us hasn't had that thought? of if I could just, I don't know, step into that room and thwart that evil person right. from doing evil things, if I could just go grab
grab, you know, Donald Trump by his boxers and lift him up in the air and then throw him into the ocean. I wouldn't do that because that's murder. But that same kind of like, if only I had the power to stop this mm -hmm. injustice, but I don't. Right, right. But this person does. Or how great would it be if this person was here? And then as you get older and you realize that with that much power, um, there comes you know tremendous corruption and what happens when that power goes astray and then you, the types of superhero stories that you're really invested in shift to right. explore that. Right. Um, that, you know, people who have the ability to shape this world often do it in selfish ways. And right. so then the, the kind of superhero stories we, we tell shift as well. Right. And how often, I'm not going to say every time, but I wonder too, like, like violence often sets off a chain of reactions. It's, that creates more violence. Right. Even when you're, you like, maybe a person is trying to use violence to stop a person. It's like a chain of violence against violence against violence, and there seems to be no end. Um, so it's, it's difficult. I think in our fantasies, mm -hmm. you know, we think, well, maybe someone could just, I've heard people say, I wish someone would just take Trump out. Yeah. I mean, which is... Throw them in the ocean, as right. I just said. Yeah. Right, which is, that's rough, you know. Mm -hmm. But I don't think they're really thinking through what would happen after that. Yeah, you get that satisfaction that, of that. And after that, yeah. and the, right. Well, the consequences it, would be probably awful. Yeah, and, and it's the martyr um, yeah. problem that you have, that whenever someone you disagree with to, you know, that extreme, whenever they're, you know, they're taken out of the equation... They become a martyr and then just strengthens their right. believers. So there's, we don't live in a world where things can be cleaned up that cleanly. Right. So it's nice to read stories where they can. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so tell yeah. us. I know you brought a couple of books to talk about. Okay, or one in particular. Um, so, I read this book this week. I just walked by it, and I had to read it. And it's called The Female of the Species by Mindy McGinnis. And it's from a quote, a Rudyard Kipling quote, The female of the species is more deadly than the male. And I was reading about the, the author, um, and she has a, a BA in English, Literature, and Religion. And so I thought, well, that's really interesting, too, because I'm curious where she'll go. Uh -huh. uh, but basically, it's, a, it's about this girl, and her older sister was kidnapped. It's really dark. Uh, her older sister was kidnapped and raped and tortured and murdered. And after a long search, they, they find the body. And this was like four years. And the, the story is set four years later. And you find basically that the little sister grew up and prepared. The, the man that they pretty much know did it. There wasn't quite enough evidence to put him away. So he just got away with it. And so the younger sister grew up and planned and trained and basically killed the murderer and got away with it. Yeah. And so she's like, she knows she's carrying this weight that she has now murdered someone. And there's something inside of her. She's like, I'm not fit to be around other people. Like, I am... There's something horribly wrong with me that I could murder a person. 
and still be living and get away with it. So I, I can't have friends. I, she goes to school and home and that's it. Mm. And the mom is an alcoholic and she doesn't, so neither one of them ever talk to anyone. It's just, so she slowly, it's about the senior year, she slowly makes a few friends. And as she is so protective of women and has her eye out for men all the time that are people who harm, mm-hmm. um, she hurts a few other men as well. And she's doing it for a good reason. These guys are obviously rapists. They're obviously predators. Um, but she goes too far in her violence. And it's a dark, dark book. Mm-hmm. But she's handling... The author handles it in such an intelligent... Like, it's... I'm so impressed with the way it's written. This, so it's a YA book. I would say not for most junior high kids at all. Yeah. And I, I mean, it would even be disturbing for a lot of adults. To me, it was comforting because of the the anger that this girl carries. So she's doing things that a lot of superheroes do. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, a lot of female superheroes are like, I'm going to get predators. I'm going to get male rapists, um, child pedophiles. I'm going to get these guys, and I'm going to make sure they never hurt anyone again. Um I'm going to mark them. I'm going to make sure that no one ever, you know, they, but her, her violence affects her horribly mm-hmm. and it's scary for the people around her. And it kind of shows the consequences of this, of this kind of mindset. Like, even if you're strong enough to do these things, even if you think you're protecting others, th- there's a real problem with this superhero mindset that I'm going to go out and live this vigilante lifestyle. Like, the consequences are really harmful for any human being. Mm-hmm. And it, it's beautifully done, beautifully mm-hmm. written, and it's kind and it's uh, smart, so smart. Mm-hmm. So I was, it's one of the best YA novels I've ever read. Mm-hmm. But it's absolutely a reaction to rape culture, and as women that were living in rape culture and were just suspected to like go along with it, you know? men say these things and do these things and we're just supposed to shrug and be like this is how guys are you know and this girl's right to be as angry as she is but like maybe handling it back with that kind of violence isn't the right answer either yeah you know yeah the the level of philosophy that she's using and the way she puts it in the book it's absolutely something high school students can understand and never dumb down it's gorgeous it's really gorgeous so I would recommend that, but only to a certain group of people. All right. So tell me, tell me about some of the things you've read and how. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the one that that I just finished is mm-hmm. Spoonbenders by Daryl yeah. Gregory, and that one. Okay, so, so you're saying it started out really, really <laughs> well, right? Yeah, it's a, okay. it's a really okay. So. They're, it's a family of psychics, and they're not... They're, okay, so the mother was working with um, the U.S. government as, yeah. uh, because she was a, the world's most powerful psychic. Um, and this is not a traditional setting for a superhero, superhero story, and that the world that they're living in is like if people who can, for instance, spend spoons or do, uh, you know card tricks and things like that um, if some of them are just legitimately psychic but none of their powers 
are so powerful that they there's not a whole lot they can do but it's right. it's kind of a little bit closer to what is plausible yeah what we thought you know what we thought might have been plausible and the reason that the CIA had had done you know these programs to try and see well are there psychic powers and if so how mm. would we utilize them um, so it's it's I like my superhero stories when they're not really about the superhero like that mm -hmm. the action and the crime fighting is not the primary focus and this one is about this weird family okay. that came from the mother who is the world's most powerful psychic and the father who was just a con man yeah and they he had no idea um until which is a kind of power yeah but but not he, he, for the oh yeah, yeah okay. and he assumed for the majority of their dating that she just was really good at keeping a secret but as which, it, that's it, hilarious yeah it is that's it really is. good and yeah. so then you have this weird family that comes from it of children that have varying degrees of skill mm -hmm. um and then then you're getting down to the grandchildren and so it the, each chapter is about different character and their own unique struggles and so it's really just a, about a family of people who are struggling with their legacy. And, you know, it's a little bit of a stretch to put in the superhero category, but it is that same kind of uh, living out a fantasy to mm -hmm. its logical conclusion of, okay, well, what if I could read minds? Or what if I could leave my body and travel around the world? Like, what does that mean? Right. Like, how would that impact me? We'd planned on talking to Rebecca about her new superhero book, Leia Bishop and the Book of Senke. I think I'm saying that right. It's available on Kindle as an ebook, and hopefully will be out soon in print. She goes by the name Arlen Rutledge and has worked with Literati on a number of editing projects in the past. Leia Bishop is an origin tale set in a world much like Earth, with fitness centers and food courts in the mall, but it also has a long legacy of superheroes. The title character, Leia Bishop, is between shifts at a casual dining restaurant when she is told that she is the latest incarnation of a powerful protector of the city. Stories like these often get lost in the world building, but Rutledge, on the other hand, keeps the focus on the daily life of Leia Bishop and her difficulty adopting this new identity as a superhero and leaving the awkward and dispirited waitress behind. Leia Bishop is a fun read for any fan of superheroes who is as interested in the story of do-gooding as they are in the story that happens after they take off the cape and tights. Unfortunately, technical difficulties prevented us from actually being able to talk to Rebecca, but she is one of our favorite people and we really believe in this book. Thought about writing a superhero story? 
or do you feel like you've written one? I don't know. That's why I asked you the question. I, well, I mean, I, I wrote the, I mean, the stepmother who dreamed of feathers about the bird woman, but that's not a superhero. No, she not just, really. she, it wasn't even her fault. And she, she wasn't, she turned a into a bird. and she wasn't a vigilante. <gasps> no, I wrote, remember the wings? That's yeah. right, yeah. Yeah. Kind of like... But I need to do it again. I like magic realism a lot. Yeah. But it's not the same thing as superhero. Yeah. I'd like to write... Okay. I'd like to write a story. Well, and Wings wasn't... Wings yeah. was much closer to a superhero story because it was yeah. about a band of superheroes. Yeah. Being used. Or like more, the government I mean, yeah. was trying to use them. They weren't even superheroes, but magically, like, you know, yeah. su- super abled, whatever. Yeah. Crime Magical abilities. Whatever. And they were trying to get out of it. So, yeah, and maybe the babies. They were stealing their babies. Guys. Don't steal babies. We're weird. Don't steal babies. Okay? He'll <laughs> eventually be brought down by the super able. Okay. You know, I want to write, like, a superhero story about people with, like superpowers that no one would want or need ever and just end up okay like they're set in high school like maybe they're freshmen in high school mm-hmm. and they have like superpowers that no one would ever want or need like a girl who can shoot bagels out of her wrist I like bagels though <laughs> like a lot there's, a lot, there's to, a lot of value she's in that that's a marketable skill with a friend who can like make just create just enough warmth to toast the bagels i i don't i i think this is this is like a food truck immediately (laughs) okay and then okay see i need to like i need to work on this now if they were like three day old bagels so they're inedible right then you got something (laughs) how and that it's a worthless skill okay yeah they're all always stale maybe just a teensy bit of mold Uh uh-huh and then where you think you get like, well, maybe if I just carve that out, it'll be okay. And then maybe but some one one of the football guys said something mean to her, and she was like, <laughs> and just hit him in the face with the bagels. Yeah, so it's annoying, but it's not really. It didn't hurt him. Yeah, it just was like, uh, uh, and he was like, called her a bad word, which I didn't say. Charles says I can cuss on the podcast, but I always feel weird about it. Yeah, children could be listening to this. Probably not. Probably not. Because why would they? Anyway, that's the kind of superhero story I want to write. Yeah. I wrote one. I wrote a dime novel. The Wonder, Wonder Boy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was fun. It was like maybe the most fun I've had writing anything. I'm gonna read it. No, you don't like it, but that's okay. I just had problems with that girl character that you wrote. It, uh, not her. Right. But it was fun because... Okay, okay. The thing, the thing that's fun about writing a superhero novel, and a spy novel would probably be kind of the same way, <laughs> is that your limitations are lifted. Yeah. So you get to write about anywhere in the planet, and it doesn't seem ridiculous. Right. Like, I mean, it does, but that their suspension of disbelief is higher. So you're like, I want to set a scene in Rome, and then I want to set one in North Korea, and then I want to set one over here. And there's nothing that tells you to stop. It's like, oh, I want to have this secret prison uh, full of supervillains. And, and like, you you can do anything you want. You can do anything you want. Right. Um, Sci fi. Sci-fi, you can do that too, uh, but there's different benefits to each because sci-fi. Um, but science, science fiction, the challenge is creating the weirdness and then making it real. Whereas a superhero, 
um, you're kind of reflecting real life, right? But adding the superhero and the weirdness into it, so it's kind of a backwards, backwards from it. But yeah, so it was, it was great. Like, and it was just like an excuse to like, okay, if this guy exists, what does that mean to the rest of us? Yeah. Um, so, it was fun. I'm glad I did it, and it was, yeah. it was a nice. I had two palate cleanser books after a particularly hard book I wrote, and that was one of them. That's good. What yeah. was the other one? Pets. Yeah. I was yeah. just like, I want to have as many animal attacks as I can have. I just want to so watch fun. humans just ripped apart yeah. in all yeah. these exotic ways. Right. So probably the other thing that really sucked me in, I don't know if this counts absolutely, but let's just talk about Natasha Alterici and um, Heathen, mm-hmm. which, what's the main character's name? Adis. Yeah. It's Adis. I don't really know how to pronounce that. Okay, Natasha, if you listen to this, text me <laughs> and get on to me, because I'm sorry, I think I pronounced your last name wrong too, and I have. For like the last three years. I'm going to get <laughs> coaching from you on that. But um, anyway, it's about this Norse young woman. And she's kicked out of her Viking family because she's caught kissing another girl. So they're going to... They can either kill them or make them get married really fast to dudes. And so Adis runs away. And she decides she will be the one to rescue Brunhilde. And... There's no A at the end. Brunhild. Yeah. See, that's the funny thing. Brunhild. We've We've edited this, and we've seen these names so many times. Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce any of them. Well, it's like when I went to... I mean, Shannon. To... I know how to pronounce Shannon. Right. <laughs> well, it's like when I went to Ukraine, uh-huh. and I told them, my name is Kristen. They were like, Christina. And I was like, Kristen. And they were like, Christina. Because... You don't see those names. All female names in Russian Ukraine end with A. They, uh... There's no N in a female name that ends in N. It's all A. So I was like, okay, that's fine. So I'm sorry, Brunhild. Anyway, she fight, she's fighting the gods. She's basically going to take on the gods, Odin. And um, I, there's something so badass about that. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, and that's it's, fine. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's still in that vigilante mode. Yeah. Just the same as the female species. You know? Yeah. Um, it's somebody who is has been greatly wronged. Right. And so... And her path to doing it is really interesting because she's tossed out of her clan for kissing a girl. And rather than, you know, going back and wrecking havoc on his clan, she's right. like, okay, well, where does this start? Yeah. So where, where are the roots of this culture? And she goes to the roots instead, which are the gods. Right. And it doesn't seem, it almost doesn't seem vigilante. It just seems crazy. Yeah. Like a human <laughs> girl is going to fight Odin? That's, yeah. I almost said Zeus. That would have been awesome. <laughs> He'll be next. Um, first, she's going to... No, but I, yeah, that that story is amazing. Mm-hmm. And everyone knows it. Yeah. Everyone knows it's amazing. I, she's I think amazing. One Natasha. Of, One of my favorite superhero stories was uh, Miracle Man. And that was actually a story that somebody yeah. had suggested to me after reading uh, Wonder Boy. I've got to read it. I still and read it. It's, 
it's powerful. Um, uh, Neil Gaiman took over for part of the writing of it. Uh, he didn't do the entire story, mm -hmm. but his section of it is the best comic book writing I've ever read. Um, within that kind of scope, it is just absolutely gorgeous. And what's really interesting about it is it examines the implications of an achieved utopia. Yeah. So the, the superheroes actually managed to create this utopia and to start molding the world in a more just way. And there is a sense of displacement mm -hmm. that the human population has. And this is also following this devastating attack, just absolutely devastating attack that ruined London. Um, so you have this utopia growing out of this misery and it, the depth for which Gaiman goes into this um, is unlike anything else I'd ever read. And it has just kind of an emotional pull that is often really unexpected. It kind of comes suddenly and you're just not prepared for it. It's great. Which is kind of what he does. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what his writing. Have we sold it? Because I haven't seen it. No, it's in it's in the bookshop. Okay, I'm gonna. They're I'm, they're they're, they're, I'm they're a little pricey. Okay. Um. Uh. But they're worth it. And also. Yeah. Not a lot of people know Miracle Man. Marvel did a re-release of it last year. Um. But it's an obviously superhero book that nobody knows the superhero, mm -hmm. which is kind of a tough sell because people aren't really looking for another superhero, mm -hmm. so they have to be like, okay, this is worth investing in. Um. So that makes it a little difficult, but like. You know, I liked Watchmen, but I think this is significantly better. It does the same, it has the same kind of idea behind it in some ways, but yeah. it's just a better story. Right. Okay. Well, okay, well, let's talk about the rise of the female superhero, not okay. just the female superhero, because obviously Wonder Woman and others have been around forever. Right. But the rise of the, the major mainstream super, female superheroes okay. being presented in a way that is like feminine. Okay. Rather than just the male perception of what is feminine. Did it, okay, it may have started before her. But I just know that, okay, so do you know who Anita Sarkeesian is? Mm -hmm. I'm so in love with her. And so Anita Sarkeesian um, started this online podcast, um, YouTube video series called Feminist Frequency. She was one of Time's 50th most influential people of the year last year, like 50th on culture. Mm -hmm. um, she receives a lot of death threats um they actually she was going to speak at like a college in indiana and they actually just shut the whole thing down and wouldn't let her come and speak rather than put up metal detectors and pat everybody down they just decided nope don't come um she's raised a lot of hatred because she started talking about the the gaming industry and comics yeah. calling out some some problematic issues uh -huh. And I started watching her. I think it was Did, maybe... Didn't, didn't she come from that industry? Yes. Okay. I thought uh, so. Worked in the industry, loved games, grew up playing games, grew up reading comics. And so I'll just focus on comics for the moment. But 
Uh, you can find her on YouTube. I started watching her stuff on YouTube. I think I saw a link on Facebook and maybe about six months before I started reading comics. So, for instance, she would talk about um, women in refrigerators. Um, she was talking about how women, even women superheroes, would die like in Spider-Man. Um, Spider-Gwen or whatever would die just to further the plot of a male superhero. Mm-hmm. Like... It's like, well, he needs to grow, or he needs to go on and complete this, so we're just going to kill her off. Or, I know, we'll put his love interest in a refrigerator, the villain will put her in a refrigerator, and she'll die, and that'll make him more interesting, because he'll have this really sad, like, oh, it's so sad that his first love died in this refrigerator, because Green Lantern put her there, or whatever. But she, like, counted up the amount of times this happened in each of the major... Right? Superhero storylines, and it was like this huge number. And it never happened with men. You never had like Wonder Woman, and they would just kill off some dude to further her storyline. It was really interesting to hear her talk. She wasn't saying she didn't like those superheroes or she didn't like reading mm-hmm. those comics, but just that the way that they wrote women was seriously problematic. Didn't they just do that in the Wonder Woman movie? Yeah, no, they did. Yeah. No, they totally did. Uh, spoiler alert. Oh, Charles Oh, Charles actually gave a spoiler instead of Kristen. I'm always the one who gives spoilers, so it's Charles' bad this time. I might edit that out. I yeah. think it's interesting, though. Okay. okay uh, no, but Anita Sarkeesian would have absolutely said that's exactly what happened. That was a good point. Yeah. That was a really good point. problem that the comic industry has had Mm -hmm. is they've been heavily focused on capturing and and containing the male reader Mm -hmm. and whenever you perceive your audience as being like vastly male Mm -hmm. then you're going to hire male writers to write for those male readers and the challenge to try and understand and write for a wider audience allows you to just go into these lanes that are common and easy. Um, but the thing that we're starting to see now is a wider range of characters and just a consideration of your first impulse as a writer of how to get the story going isn't necessarily going to be the best for various demographics. So that actually forces you to find more interesting ways to yeah. do the same thing. Right. Which is, I mean, absolutely like good because mm-hmm. it makes makes you flex your creative muscles. Right. And maybe do, like, it seems like the same thing was happening across the board in so many different stories. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it would be interesting for them to say, oh, no, they've already done that here and here and here. Let's try something completely different. Right. Let's, you know, I or, don't know. Or, or maybe at this point let's have a character that's unexpected doing the thing rather than just, right. you know, falling down and the superhero has to go back and pick him up and going, like, which, which try and spread, you know, right. spread the experiences so that they we're seeing a fuller picture of humanity rather than right. just this really kind of narrow, you know, square-jawed man looking earnestly out into the horizon and doing the right thing time after time after time. Right, right. Um, but I think we're also getting more jaded 
as yeah. readers too, which is also a good thing. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's really refreshing to have that Captain America figure that is just resolute and unwavering. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's lame to just have, you know, Batman rip off after Batman rip off a Batman sure. rip off. Um, but it's the characters that are in between that are the most fun. Those are the most fun and the most interesting. And it's fun, like, introducing my daughter uh, to superheroes now. Because I, I, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. She loves Captain America. Mm-hmm. And I think she sees her dad in Captain America. So she's 11, mm-hmm. right? So here's this good guy. He never does anything wrong. He's good to the core. Ne- you know, and I, like, I can see the way she looks at Captain America. That's how she sees her dad. You know, that's... Yeah, Captain America, you know, and then, but I also know that she's young and she's innocent and she's pure-hearted and, you know, you kind of, like, it's kind of a beautiful picture of how you mature and see the world, like maybe which superhero characters you're drawn to, like as you you grow up and as you kind of, your understanding of people grows. Um, and I think it'll be interesting watching that. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's beautiful. That, and she's even said before, that's why I say that. She said that to me. Like, he reminds me of my dad. And I think that's great. I'm like, that's great, you know. Mm-hmm. And I've told her dad that. I'm like, she thinks you're Captain America. But, uh... Don't screw this up. You know, I'm like, you can do it, man. <laughs> keep it keep it going. But, like, you know, the way you see the world, and, and sometimes you get, you're, you're brokenhearted about the shape the world is in, and you're jaded, and, oh... It's like Batman. Everything's like, you know, it's like this. And you go different places and then maybe finally, mm-hmm. you know, you're at a place where you understand. I was trying to explain Iron Man to her because mm-hmm. uh, she was like, I don't like Iron Man. Mm. And I was like, well, but look, like he's in a room full of scientists. He's going to give all these scientists money. Like he's not perfect. He makes a lot of mistakes, but he's, he's helping these young scientists. And that's going to help the world. And she was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know? But it'll be, it's fun watching all of us and like who we're drawn to uh-huh. at times and repelled by at times. And I think that's what's fun. Have you watched The Defenders yet? I just watched part of the first one. So, okay. what do you think about it? Well, I, it, it's it's not a perfect series. It's not the yeah. best TV on right now, but yeah. it's it's a good superhero story. Yeah. And all you, you've watched the various threads of yeah. it, and that's the fun thing about it is these characters are just different. Yeah. They're all very, very different, and right. they revel in those differences. Right. Like, Iron Fist is an idiot. <laughs> like, he just is. And yeah. I think I think people, as they're watching it, are just like, man, this guy's just an idiot. And then you realize, no, that's intentional. That's exactly <laughs> what they're trying to do. This guy is very powerful, but right. he is not good at planning. Right. Not good at planning. He needs a minder. Right. And, you know, and Luke Cage is just... Very resolute and very, like, he is that square-jawed guy yeah. that does right, you know, regardless. Um, and then, you know, Jessica Jones, which we've already talked about. <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, Dare, Daredevil, which is, uh, you know, so you have these four good people that are just good in their own unique ways. Right. And they just, they need each other. Right. Like, they're not a team because they can't defeat the bad guys. They're a team because, really, they need those balances. Yeah. And then Punisher comes out next year. I think okay. it's next year. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. It'd be fun. Yeah, I didn't even get to the part where they were together. And that, to me, is the fun part, thinking about them playing off one another and mm-hmm. talking and arguing. I'm like, that's funny. Like, yeah. those personalities. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and then, you know, it, like I said, it's it's genre TV. Yeah. And as long as you're fine with watching genre TV, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. It's good. 
I am going to read, I'm reading Americana. I just, I just started it. Um, I started it a long time ago and read the first chapter and then I got sidetracked and I know I'm going to love it. So Americana. Americana. Bye. Okay. I didn't look up her name pronunciation, but it's, okay, I'm just going to say her last name, guys, and forgive me, but her last name is Adichie. It's like Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, and I've watched her give speeches, and I've read her essays, and I've I love her, and I've watched her TED Talk, and this is fiction, and it's a national bestseller, and I'm really excited to read it. She's actually petting the book right now. I'm, like, holding it against my face. I love her so much. So I'm excited to read this book, Americana. Right. Yeah, so I'm about to start reading uh, Hoosier Oki by Danielle Rolnick. Uh, Hoosier, as in, like, Indiana Hoosiers. Um, So this is... This is a book about this really weird art project that I was kind of a bird's eye, or well, you know, bug on the wall maybe, uh, about seven, seven, eight years ago, where it was just right at the, the housing bubble was at the point of bursting. So we were starting to see the downturn in the market. Hi, FedEx. Hi, FedEx. (laughs) And uh, so we saw the downturn in the market, and we were just preparing for the bubble to burst. I think everybody was starting to see it. And um, one artist was in real estate, and or his family was, and he met this famous sculptor um, on a train ride. And they were talking, and he was like, yeah, it's kind of an interesting time doing what we're doing. And at some point, that conversation turned to be like, well, would a house sell more if we presented it as an art piece? So they decided, the two of them, to create an entire house, build an entire house as an art piece. And this included weird things like doing graffiti on the studs that would be hidden behind the walls that nobody would even see. Wow. Um, and then, like, there's sculptures on top of, you know, on the you know ceilings of bedrooms and all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, can you still, okay, can you still see this house? Like, is it somewhere... Uh, all the, can you drive past no, it? Well, you can see the house, but on the outside, the house just looks like a house. No! So it's in the suburbs, so it okay. looks like a suburban house. And all, this, all the artwork was in the inside, yeah. and then underneath, like, you know, like the uh, shingles and stuff like that. So some of it you would never see, which is kind of funny, because when you think about it, and then some of their do repairs on this house are going to recover, uncover all this stuff, and then just, like graffiti on all the studs are like what the it's like hell? when you buy a house like an old house like from built in 1920s and you're you know you're working yeah, on it yeah. and you're like oh my god and you see this beautiful stuff when you're doing the yeah, walls wallpaper and... or the yeah so it's and yeah. um so i got we went to so i got to be part of the documentaries we did various parts of it or like i was a executive producer i think is what i was what yeah. my title was and we went to new york and talked to all these different people and roamed around Oklahoma City, but it is in a suburb of Oklahoma City. It's in Edmond. And, um, and it, the, the, the project finished the way that I anticipated it finishing. Because I knew from the start that it was just an unworkable idea. Yeah. It was just unworkable. There was no way this was going to work. And then just the way that everything kind of fell, fell apart uh, was just really kind of fascinating. Um, and so the documentary, I don't think, ever came out. 
but I saw the rough cut of it, and it's fantastic. I'm hoping it comes out one day because it really be is amazing. fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so this book, uh, so this guy had run into one of the artists in L.A. and talked to him about it, and he got really fascinated about it, so he decided to write a book. So we just got some copies of them into the bookshop. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to reading that to see what it's all about. The cover looks really fun. Yeah. Um, okay, so writing prompt. Writing prompt. We would love for you to write a story, it can be a short story, about one superhero meeting another superhero and they have a face-off, but the trick is that they have to have really weird superpowers, like weird superpowers. Like, um, we're going to let you come up with those and like what happens. So the face-off, maybe they're enemies, maybe they're meeting for the first time in a dark alley. Weird things that they can do. And what happens? 500, 600 words. We might um, read it aloud on the show. We might just read it. We'll send you an email back. If it's short, short, we might even put it up on Twitter. Yeah, or you can just write it on Twitter and, and yes. hit at Literati Press. That would be amazing, too. If you decide to email it to us, email it to charles at literatipressok.com. And... So thank you. Gabriel Galeer is uh, putting his fine touches on this. That the, all the music you're hearing is, is from him, aside that's, from the theme song. That's Gabe's superpower. That's Gabe's superpower. And we're so excited that and, he's helping. And the theme song is by Michael Martin. And Yay, Michael! Thank you to the Paseo Plunge for letting us record on the balcony. Thank you for Paseo for not being too loud, aside from the motorcycle guys. Thank you to Charles Martin. Hey, me. Thank you to Rebecca Rutledge. Don't tell her how much I like her. (laughs) (laughs) Have a wonderful day. Okay. Rebecca is like our, for one thing, she's our editing goddess. Like, she is like the goal. Like, if you've written something and you can get Rebecca to edit it for you, it's like you've struck gold. Yeah. But then she's also amazing in so many other ways. Yeah. I mean, she'll, make so, it, she'll make you cry whenever you edit it. She'll break your soul, but it will make for a much better no, book. No, she made you cry. She made me, like, she, I was like, I was like, rip it up, rip it up. Because <laughs> yeah. I knew, like, as much as she, mm. I was like, it's going to be so much better. Yeah. I get excited, I get tingly yeah. when I, I'm emailing her something. Like, I'm embarrassed. Because uh-huh. I know, I mean, I'm embarrassed. Because I'm mm. like, she's going to be ashamed for me. Yeah. But I'm like, it's okay though. Which yeah. is like yeah. flushed. I'm like, Rebecca's looking at it. Get all nervous. I mean, it's a little bit of a girl crush. Don't tell her I said that. Yeah. Well, okay. she's okay. Good. She may or may not listen to she the podcast. She won't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> she's too busy.